big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. And a big one welcome to you. Today we're going to be talking about tweens and teens. Um, my name is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And for most of today I'm going to be saying, Lael, what would you like to say about this? She's such a, an expert on all, of, all things tweens and teens. So um, why did you get so passionate about this, Lael? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, mainly because my kids grew up and I just went, oh my God, how do I keep doing this? What I'd done with my kids when they were little into these, you know, these years as they grow. So my children have been a really good experiment <laughs> on using where parenting as they grow. So, you know, my son is 19 now and my daughter's almost 16 and my youngest one is 11 and a half so um, we've navigated you know two or nearly three through those kind of transitions of puberty and tween years and and I think why I am so passionate about this is because I deeply love teenagers I feel like they're a massively misunderstood genre of uh, of humans and I feel that um, we have this kind of belief that the teenage years have to be really hard with slam doors and yelling and grunting and I absolutely don't believe it has to be that way and I think this is where I have found a way parenting to be so rich because you really do a lot of the work when your kids are little that it allows you for these transition years to actually be quite smooth sailing yeah like the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Yes, totally. <laughs> or the foundation of the building is already built. Yeah, that's it. That's it because there's already that set element of listening and connection and communication. So it just continues on. It just looks a little bit different, really. Yes. And I do also want to say, though, if people are coming to Aware Parenting later on, perhaps your children are already a tween or a teen. It's never too late to start. I don't know if you'll talk a little bit about this. Totally. You, have, you have people coming to you. Yeah. I quite often send people to you. <laughs> People are coming where really they're starting more of this kind of approach mm. with in the later years. Mm. And I think <clears throat> I always believe this, it is never too late to begin. And it just looks a little bit different. So sometimes if you are coming to this kind of stuff when you do have a tween or into the teen years, you know, there may have been a big backlog of feelings that haven't been heard. And, and you know, of course, the kind of whole basis of aware parenting is really about that connection and listening to feelings. And so when we start, no matter when we start, I think it's good to note that there can be a lot that can come up to begin with and as if we understand that and accept that then you know you can absolutely navigate it and, and it builds relationship I mean I'm just thinking about I had a, um, a a beautiful father come to see me a few weeks ago and he has a 12 year old son and you know lots of stuff had happened in their family and and there's a lot of disconnection going on with his son and and you know it was pushing up lots of dad stuff and he was really like you know I'm just not going to bother or try anymore you know and there was a lot of hurt going on he felt rejected because his son was really pushing back a lot and really separating out and um, you know I just made some simple suggestions of what about just meeting him where he's at and he's like what do you mean I was like well what's he into and his son was really into playing video games and I was like why don't you ask him to play a video game with you and he's like well I hate video games I'm like I know but you know part of that connection piece is that your son 
needs to know that you really are interested in him and what would it be like if you said show me how to play this game and he was like oh I'll give it a go and he emailed me a week later and was just like whoa he said my son could not believe that I wanted to play with him and it was like I had a different child and that was just from one little piece of connection you know that was just one little piece of I still see you. I, I really value who you are. I want to be in your world. And that's one of the big things I often talk about in my workshops around tweens and teens. It shifts from I'm playing trains with you on the floor to um, I'm really into makeup and wanting to do a makeover. So do that on me. You know, it's still finding what that point of connection is that's in their world because they're beginning to shape who they are in their world. Mm. I'd love to share a story. I don't have many stories, so I'd love to share this one. <clears throat> a while back, I... My son loves gaming, and a while back I said, okay, so I do aim to do screen, I call it screen present time, and a, a, a quite a while back we did a really long one, and we did about three hours of playing this massive game, and I think it was the, the time that showed me more than anything else I've ever done, the, the influence that the parenting that, I've, that we've done, his dad and I, on him, because he, the whole way through that three hours when I had no idea what to do, and I was frustrated and upset, he gave me empathy. Mm. He stayed right with me. He he kept encouraging me. My daughter joined in too. She was encouraging me. In the game, he killed himself hundreds of times so that I could kind of climb over him to get to the next <laughs> level. And it was just like, to me, you know, really, I love what you're mm. saying. To actually join in, in their worlds, even if it's something that we really don't like, can be mm. absolutely life-changing for yes. them. And, and look, those pieces, and we talked this about in another podcast about special time or present time, is, you know, you don't have to do it for four hours. It can just be 20 minutes. It can be half an hour. And even if that's something that you find tricky, just half an hour of that is, is gold for or them. Or even 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, totally. It's the little pieces that feel okay with us within that. So, I mean, I would like to talk a little bit about just that transition from the tween to teen years mm. because it's really common around about eight, even eight, nine, ten, you know, when puberty can start for people, uh, for, for young people. And we start to, mostly parents say, I start to see a real shift in their behaviour. So they might be a little bit more abrupt or they become a little bit more private, which is very normal, especially as their body's changing, they're wanting a little bit more privacy. Um, or also you might find that they're just going into their room and they're being quiet, so not so much in your face and in the public spaces they're withdrawing a bit and this is so important for, for kids and one of the struggles I find with parents particularly as they move into the tween teen years is they feel like they're not connected to the child because the child is withdrawing a little bit and then think oh my god there's something wrong so then the parent comes in with this urgency or desperation do I have to connect with you I have to connect with you and the child's like whoa settle down parent because um, I'm just doing what I'm meant to be doing because my brain is growing and changing so we often know I think around puberty blame it on the hormones but actually in a lot of the research I've done is not just hormones it's actually their brain as well and the brain's really shifting on a few different levels so as your whole prefrontal cortex grows and develops because it really isn't fully developed till about the age of 25 all these different parts of the brain have to figure out who they are or, or, or just shift and grow so the child can figure out who they are. So we see, um, you know, lots of elements around risk taking happen, you know, as the brain develops to go, you know, I have more capacity to take risks and think outside of the box, which is amazing, which is why I love teens so much because their brain is hardwired to go, but what if we looked at it this way? 
right? And I think that's where we could learn a lot from teenagers. Mm. Um, they're also, their feelings um, feel grander or bigger. So often what they're looking for is more of that dopamine release, which is that whole pleasure reward system. So the brain craves it more in these, these developing years. So that's why they will do stupid things like take risks like, hey, let's ride my BMX bike off the top of the roof into the pool, right? Because the brain goes, oh, I could get a real high if I take a risk doing that. Um, the, the downside of that is that they can get hurt and do stuff. So I always really encourage parents to help their tweens and teens find risk-taking activities that still have an element of safety. So whether that's sport, whether that's being on stage, you know, because that still is a huge risk and, you know, that can give you a high, whether it's public speaking, whether it's rock climbing, playing soccer, whatever it is, giving them opportunities, skateboarding, those kind of things to take risks, but in more of a controlled environment. So they're not looking outside of that. Um, we also look at the different um, changes that happen in the body around emotion. So they're looking for that dopamine high, but then the lows can actually feel a lot lower. So it's really common to see a lot of massive emotions and feelings, you know, in this tween to teen years that make no sense whatsoever. And, and that can also be really scary for parents because, you know, when you, your daughter's sitting there sobbing that, you know, my life is over and things feel really hard, you know, we can automatically go into, oh my God, this is really huge but often what it is is just I'm just trying to really feel what it feels like to get to the depths of my feelings and then I'll come back into the middle you know and I've, I've navigated that with my kids and I've often had to say to my daughter I'm just doing a check-in here when you're talking about that you you life's not worth living anymore do you are you really serious about that or are you just saying that's because someone's not talking to you and she goes oh no it's just because they're not talking to me and I go okay I'm just clarifying here where we're swinging but the element of big feelings around it still wants to be seen and heard within that. Um, so so there's many, many different changes that happen in the brain. There's a few more that are really about the different behaviours that we begin to see in those tween to teen years as as it's all developing. And, and I would love to reference Dan Siegel's book, Brainstorm, which I highly recommend getting um, because it does talk a lot about what happens in the brain and the behaviours that we see in children. And, and he comes back to again and again that what they need, much like we're parenting, is connection and that really safe holding so they can explore who they are because their job at this point is to go hmm I've been brought up in this family in this little bubble here but who am I if I'm not in that you know and that that is allowing them then to develop their own sense of self so they can go out into the world so there is a really clever reason why they all of a sudden may totally dislike everything that you've ever said or you know all of a sudden take the opposite side of politics from you or start listening to punk rock or I don't know whatever there's a reason why they're trying that all out because they're like well what does this feel like for me in this family network and even if I'm like this which is opposite to your values are you still going to love me am I still going to be enough in your eyes so a lot of the transition from tween to tween I often talk to parents about is a lot of acceptance for your child figuring out who they need to be. And that can often look like I'm going to dye my hair green and I want to get a nose ring or I, I, you know, I want to do these things that seem a little bit outrageous, but they're actually just them trying to figure out what is this, what does this identity feel like now? You know, and if we think about, you know, and again, I always come back to our own tween or teen years 
when we were still trying to figure out who we were? You know, what is it that we really needed from our parents at that time that would have allowed us to be the full expression of ourselves? You know, that's again the lens I often encourage parents to look through when we're looking at what our children are doing, and particularly if that's pushing your buttons on any level. What was that like for you at that time, you know, of, of expression when you were trying to figure out where you were or who you were within that? Yeah. Mm. I'd love to have it a little, a little bit before that even uh, we were going to talk about the, um, the loss of idealisation. Do you remember mm. that point where they, where they move from just thinking that we're the best things since yes. life bread and then they actually can see us as, as human beings yes. with all the, all the foibles and things. Yes. I really remember that moment when I really saw that shift for my daughter. And it can be quite a loss for us mm. because it is a shift. Mm. They are shifting out into a different level of separation. Mm. And, yeah. And, and I think a big piece within that too is the grief that can come up as we feel our yes. children moving away a little bit is, you know, that, that I guess the shadow side of that is we can try and hold mm. on really tight to our kids yes. and that can become very controlling and, and you know, often they will push back on that because they're like, whoa, well, let me actually be who I need to be. Yes. And that's where we need to come back to ourselves and our own grief of, you know, what is that for me? And, and yes. that mourning of... um mourning the shift and the change mm. of my little person yes. who used to just want me to be <laughs> yes. there when they peed you know yes. to what does that look like now so that yes. that grief and mourning is very real you know yes. and I think it's an energetic shift that most parents will feel as their mm. child separates out a bit and it's really important I believe to really tune into yourself and what that what is going on mm. for you and getting the support you need whether that's a listening partnership or some counseling to really tune into what that grief feels like for you as your child does that and yeah. it's very important i find that you know the whole process of when we have a child we, we have to learn to let them go from the moment <laughs> they come out really but even more so at this point in these yes. teenage years it is so imperative that we allow them to spread their wings and be who they need to be yes. and that's hard and it's confronting and it requires so much deep trust mm. that I need to let them find their way in the world even when you can see that that could be a bit painful yes. and I find again in my work that when parents struggle with that and they try and hold very tight the child will either become very repressed in who they are yeah. um, or they push back hard and because they're saying, hey, let me be who I need to be here. And I found that usually they start to push and pull with that around about 13. And then they usually come back again around about 17, you know, to 18. So there's a few years in there mm. which can feel rocky. And I have to tell you, there's been many times at midnight I've been sitting there going, oh, my God, they're not home yet. Are they okay? What are they doing? And, and you know, having to work through my own fears with that. And then I've found that they, they, they kind of come back into the fold again once they've done that little piece of, mm. hey, this is where I am. I've taken some risks, you know, and... And now they kind of come back into a greater sense of self around that 17 or 18 where they then come back closer to you again, I have found. You know, which, look, is not a set timeline of, of age, but I've watched that and, and with a lot of parents I've worked with, just that, that shift for a few years and then they kind of come back in where then they do want to hang out with you more within yeah. that time. Mm. The other thing I think can be really helpful, I really love how Aletha talks about the difference between um, differences in, of needs and differences mm. of values. And I think this can be really important in tween and teenage years. Things like, you know, whether they keep their bedroom tidy or mm. not and really, and whether they want their hair green or not. And really actually looking at when we're, when we're talking about things, when we're having discussions to really listen into actually is this, is this 
really something that actually is it's actually it's their thing now it's their yes. room that they actually get to choose how their yes. room is and yes maybe if we you know whatever if it if it's not safe for us to walk in i don't know whatever there may be mm-hmm. sometimes where we do make requests and so on but to actually really give them those choices mm. to 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 really live their own values increasingly mm. and they so that's so much about that isn't it as a team mm. is, is purpose and meaning and values and supporting them in living those whether mm. you know, they want to become a vegetarian or whatever the yeah, thing is totally and and look from an aware parenting lens i find that um you know the same principles apply all the time of listening and connection and you know look connection through play as well it just looks different you know so we're not playing trains on the floor but you know going into their world to connect with them and taking those opportunities when they invite you in so you know i've seen you once have some fun ones about the times you were laughing watching some videos together or something oh yeah well for a while there i think you know we were always trying to find the place where we would all like we'd all take in turns, we'd, we'd all have our phones, which is quite funny. And everybody had saved funny videos of stuff and we'd all sit there and, and take in turns of putting that up on the big TV, the the funny videos. And just we'd be cacking ourselves laughing, like all of us. And then we'd all share like the different videos to each other. And, and we still do that. Like when we, we just got a puppy and all of a sudden at the moment we're just sending each other puppy videos of funny stuff, which is, again, another beautiful just level of connection. And I find it is so about finding your way into their world and connecting Mm. with them on that level so for us and our family music's a huge Mm. thing and you know i'll find if my daughter's just been you know we haven't really had much connection i'll just go into her room and kind of lay on her bed and go who are you listening to at the moment or you know what's playing because she's always got music on and i'll go tell me about them and where do they come from and what's their music sound like and just asking her questions about her world and she loves to tell me all about it and then um i'll go if you find another i like this artist send me another song so she you know it's all about she's more powerful in her world and for my son it's really about sport you know and he'll often come in and go, mum, did you see this goal? And I'm just like, I don't really care about soccer, but he does. And so I go, oh, show me, show me. And, you know, me even learning players and different stuff, he he finds it hilarious when I try and talk about stuff. But there's a point of connection there, you know, of I'm into your world and I see what you like and what you're into. And that is so important to for them to feel that place of connection definitely and what is it that sits with them yes it really shifts isn't it as you're saying from when they're younger and they're just like they you know it's, it can be often if your children younger you might be feeling a bit overwhelmed why mm. they're just asking for help all the time mm. and then I found with my daughter at 17 she want she wanted to learn pottery mm. so I'd be I was like, oh my gosh, yes, of course I'll come with you. <laughs> and I found it really hard, but I was so willing to keep going yes. because I just loved being with her yes. and doing that together. I sometimes have, yeah. I'm a bit like a lovesick teenager. Yeah. I said, oh, she's, she's talking with me and we're having a great time. Oh my gosh, I love her so much. Or we're watching a movie together and yeah. you know, really seeing that shift from yes. it's it's like, an honour. It's like they honor, give us it? special time. Yes, it is. It's oh reversal. my God, that's so easy. It's so easy. Like my son and I joined the gym together because <laughs> yes. um, he's he's an athlete, so he kind of trains me. <laughs> yeah. And it's like my I get special time with him because he's busy. Yes. He's got a girlfriend he's working and. And so we get this time together and he's so patient with me. It's beautiful. I know he loves it as well, but that's like our special time with him, you know, but it's more for me because I don't see him as much anymore. And, and I think that's it of, you know, my husband will take our daughters out for dates or we'll just, you know, we, we, we all went to a concert together, which was beautiful. And, you know, like I think it's finding 
the spaces in their world that they're really into and how can I support you and what you're loving and, and invite me into it. And so much of I find is about them teaching, them letting them be the teacher. So yes. tell me more about this yes. and what about that? Because, you know, my daughter says this all the time, you know, teenagers just want, we want you to know. She likes to speak for all teenagers. <laughs> she goes, we want you to know that we have a lot to say and mm. even though we're still kids we have thoughts and we have ideas and and she's very passionate about being heard yes. and i'm like i hear i really hear you on yes. that and what's interesting is you know a, a while ago my daughter and i did this survey because i was talking to her about you know being a teenager and it's really hard and there's lots of feelings and emotions and and what is it that you really need? And she was like, well, I just want to be listened to. Mm. And I just don't, you know, I want to know that I can come to you. And I was like, yeah, awesome. So then I said, so what do you think it's like for your friends? And she said, well, none of my friends say that they have that. You know, they often hide things from their parents or they won't go to them. And so I said to my daughter, what if we did an anonymous survey and we sent it out to as many teenagers as we could just to get a bit of an understanding about what they feel they need? Because I'm hearing you, but I'd love to hear what your friends think. Mm. So we created an anonymous survey. I think we had about 80 replies or something like that. And I just asked questions of when you are feeling upset, who is it safe? You know, do you go to your parents? And mm. then, and if not, why? And pretty much I'd say well, over three quarters of the answers were no way and the reason why they didn't is because they felt like their parents would judge them mm. and they didn't listen and so that theme came up again and again and again for a lot of the teenagers when I said what is it that you really want I want them to just listen without judgment mm. and um, I don't need them to fix me and so a lot of them just said I just don't tell them the truth because I feel like I'm going to get in trouble and and that kind of ties into a lot of that whole piece we've talked about about that punitive discipline of that you've done something wrong i'm going to ground you and you know it doesn't actually teach the child anything it just teaches them to get better at lying or hiding their behavior and that's often what teenagers do as well so so within that you know that that survey was very telling for me even though it's something i think you know i know on a deeper level is what they are deeply craving is listening and mm -hmm. You know, that is, that's a skill to learn. Deep listening is a definite skill to learn. And, and I find with teenagers too, it's just about less, less, no lectures, but just little questions. How does that feel for you? What do you think about that? And just then listening. Because if they know that you're there to listen, then they will open up and they'll share with you what's going on, you know. And, and look, at it's, it's a similar kind of thing when you have a raging two-year-old and you're sitting there listening and holding the space. It's the same definitely for teenagers, even more so. And I find that even though they're big and they're independent and they don't need your help to go to the toilet and they can make themselves food, they still really need you around a lot, a lot, especially when they're, you know, if they're at school when they get home from school, you know, I find they need good food, but they also just need someone to be there so they can kind of flop into and go, ah, this is what's going on or that's what's going on. So I do find that they still really need a lot of connection through these years. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Something as well I find um, is to, to be available when they're ready to speak. Because yes. it's taken me so long to learn this mm. is, is to, to not keep on asking questions if it's clear that, mm. that my daughter doesn't want to talk. And actually then as soon as she's talking... Just really listen. drop everything. <laughs> yes. about, and yeah, just listen and mm. really trusting their timing. And, and again, that's quite a shift, isn't it, from from in those younger years. So it's mm. it's really mm. seeing that it's um mm. it's a it's an honour and a privilege oh. for them to be sharing their inner world with us and to really to see that as such a gift. 
And I think the other piece I've definitely learned is that they do not have to tell you everything and they won't. Mm. And it's actually really important that yes. they have parts that are private for them. Mm. And when we try and drill them for tell me how you're feeling mm. or what's going on, which is more of our need, they just <laughs> shut down even further. I can feel it as well, yes. can't they? When it, when we're, when we're doing it to me, our need for connection mm. rather than actually to be there and support yes. them. Yes, it's just, it's listening. So it's taking those times. And that's, it's very classic. You get in the car with the child and they're, and you like ask them a question. They're like, no, and they've got nothing to offer you or they want to put their headphones on. It's finding a place to be like, okay, yeah. let's just listen to music because yeah. you're not wanting to connect now or talk. And that that's yeah. absolutely okay. And it's not moving into the taking offense yes. because they're not listening, they're not talking to you. It really yes. is, again, through web parenting, just continuously creating spaciousness or space yes. to connect in with them yeah. or to let them know that you're there so when they need you, they'll come and talk to yes. you. And and if that is set as a foundation that I am here, then they will come to you more and more, you know, yeah. to to share what's going on in their world. But yeah. you have to listen because they know you just got to listen. Yes. There's a couple of things I do in those car journeys. One is, um, as I say, I'll often say when she's finished something, I'll say, you know, I'm really... No, I, I'm not going to ask you loads of questions, but I want to let you know I'm really interested in what happened if you do want to share. And another thing I do when she clearly doesn't is I just sit and, and send love. Mm. I just sit in the car and I, I feel the love for her and I, and I radiate it out. So mm. those are a couple of ways that yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, um, you know, if you, one other thing I really just wanted to touch on too in those transitions to tween to teen years is, and this ties in a lot of my work around sexuality, is puberty is a really big thing for kids. And um, I am really passionate about having lots of great information available for kids and open conversations to help them understand about what's happening in their bodies. So I, I talk a lot about just many, many ongoing conversations. You know, a lot of the old way of doing was having just one conversation about sex and this is what's happening to your body. But it's actually many, many conversations and looking for teachable moments all the time around bodies changing and what puberty means and all those kind of things. And you, you can get those teachable moments just by turning on the radio or watching something on television or anything like that. You It's often just around and asking questions. Hey, do you do you know much about that or do you do you know what it means when girls get their period or just having little conversations often around around kind of what your body is and i am a really big fan of of empowering our kids to understand what's happening in their bodies so really by about seven or eight I really recommend talking to your children around what puberty is mm -hmm. and if you don't know where to start buy some books so we'll put a link at the end of this podcast there's a really wonderful website um, by a colleague of mine and the website's called Sex Ed Rescue, and we'll put a link to it. Go and have a look at Cass' website. It's got every book you could possibly imagine on puberty, sexuality, and all her books are reviewed there. And they are a wonderful way to have conversations or start conversations with your kids, to buy some books, give them to the, your children to read, and then go, hey, have you got any questions about that? Or do you understand what that is? Or read them together so you can start opening these conversations about the body. Because... One of the biggest things that I find, you know, tweens have a lot of angst about is going through puberty and what that means and am I normal and what is my body changing and all those kind of things. So the more we can open up conversation about it and make it just a normal topic to talk about, the more likely they are to come and have those conversations with you. So I usually recommend by seven or eight talking about 
what it means to go through puberty and then continuing the conversation and age appropriate conversations. So by the time they're 10 and 11 or 12, talking more about sex, about sexuality, about how we identify, who we're attracted to. And we also have to be talking to our children about pornography. Um, this is a really important topic that as much as that makes people feel shocked you know the average age of finding porn for um, a young person is 10 and that's usually because they're discovering it by mistake or they've heard about it and pornography is our biggest sex educator at the moment for young people and it is not a healthy environment for kids to be looking at so we need to educate our kids that there's stuff on the computer that's not for children to see and it can feel yucky when we see it we can have confused feelings when we see it and if you do ever see anything I want you to just close the computer or turn the iPad over and come and tell me you'll never be in trouble and it also and also you have to really reinforce and you will still be able to use the iPad because a lot of kids don't tell because they think then they won't be able to have screen time um, and we'll talk about what that is and and in my work as sex education you know pornography is the biggest um, thing that we're, we're battling at the moment because it is our biggest sex educator and it's having really devastating effects on young people. So um, as part of that whole developmental talk around sexuality, puberty, we have to be talking about pornography as well. And there's lots more info in some of my offerings I have around that kind of stuff if you want to know more about it. But that has to be part of the conversation when it comes to kind of the tween and teen years around what that looks like, you know, for helping them navigate it with more ease really um and the other last piece i'll add to that too is of course with lovely aware parenting we always look at what was that journey like for you <laughs> so um again as our children develop go through puberty it can absolutely push up our own feelings about how that felt you know particularly around our bodies changing did you feel a sense of shame for your body changing did your parents ever have a conversation with you about what that looked like what did that imprint set up and i have definitely found in all the years of doing this the absence of conversation sets up shame around sexuality mm. and so purely by not talking about it do we believe that there must be something shameful and wrong about it mm. so the more conversations we can have around it the more we create a positive impact when it comes to healthy sexuality in our bodies so i really invite people to to kind of tune into what does that look like what did that look like for you when you were a teenager i mean i just know i felt deeply embarrassed and ashamed at my body changing and growing i tried to hide it all the time and and it felt very confusing and i definitely didn't have anyone to talk to about it and that and that felt scary mm. what about for you yeah i was really uh, in inverted commas late developing and i just mm. remember just wearing um, particular types of tops for like years just mm. to try and hide, hide mm. that. And just the, the shame, just the yes. daily shame. The daily shame. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's such a big time. And, mm. and I find that from the parenting journey, a lot of people's stuff comes up around the 20 to 10 years. And, and it's where I really do encourage parents to do the work mm. on yourself, like really look into those parts of you and those needs that were not met in those years and and really explore that because the more you can look at your own stories within that the less you are going to project onto your children it's just it's so big i feel like i've needed a whole new skill set to raise teenagers so i feel like aware parenting's given me a great foundation but i feel like i've just had to 
um, expand more and more and more to do it with as much awareness and consciousness as possible. And, mm. you know, I can tell you it's, it, the payoffs are amazing <laughs> because, you know, we, you absolutely can have a deeply connected mm. relationship with your teenagers, you know, without door slamming and without grunting and without lying. You can absolutely have those beautiful uh, relationships that we all deeply desire. Um, I, I think if you're willing to look at mm. where you are sitting in the picture and yes. always coming back to connection, really. Mm. Mm. I was so inspired <laughs> seeing you and your <laughs> and all of your children, yeah, the young you. people. But yeah, yeah, so amazing what you do. Um, mm, thank you. <laughs> I love I love our teens and twins. I just you know we we have, seem to be a house where there's a lot of them over all the time, and I do. Um, I do love that, that, that it's a safe place for them to come and they all talk about what that is. Yes. And, you know, that, that really makes my heart feel so happy that we're opening our arms to lots of young people who feel safe enough to be who they are, you mm. know. So that's, um, yeah, it, it really, yeah, it's so rich. It's mm. beautiful. I just I just love my teenagers. They're amazing. So Such a great time. And, I, I mean, I also want to say, too, for parents who do have little people and who are thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> if my three-year-old acts like this now, what are they going to be like when they're a teenager? I really want to offer you that it can be so beautiful and they can just be mm. some of the most amazing years. It really can be. It's, you know, different challenges, but it can be just so incredibly rich so yeah yeah and the, all the again coming back to the foundation the, all the listening all the connection everything that you offer with when your children are younger really does uh, in inverted commas pay off it really makes a difference everything that you do you will see later on so mm. important and so powerful yes i'll just add one tiny little piece to that too is that particularly around your children when they're younger knowing that if they do something off track or they do something and I'm saying wrong in inverted commas and they come to you and you offer them your presence and listening and, and help them navigate that without any judgment or punishment, then I promise you by the time they get to the teenage years, they will come to you when big stuff's gone on. And I've seen that, you know, my, my kids have all taken very age appropriate risks, you know, and I don't think it's realistic to grow up think you know, to raise them thinking they're never gonna do anything wrong because it's it's important. They they're, they're trying to figure out their edges. And the times where they have kind of pushed those boundaries and it has gone a little bit off track, you know, they've rung us straight away and gone, Okay, something's happened and um and can you help or this is what's going on and we've always just welcomed them with open arms and gone, Yep, tell us all about it what's gone on, what do we need to do to put it right, or what do we need to do to repair, and what have we learned from this. And, and you know, they've always come if anything's gone wrong and they've never been frightened to say, oh, man, I've stuffed up or this is what's happened and, and that's what's been just, that's what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, you want them to know that they, they will come to you straight away. So that's been just incredibly validating, really. I yeah. remember so many conversations we've had where you've, where you've shared things like that and just, it's just mm. so amazing, isn't yes. it? Because imagine if every teen in the world had that, that they knew that whatever they did, their parent was there to support them mm. and to love them and to help them repair that experience. Mm. And it's just, mm. we would live in a very different world, wouldn't we? I totally think we would. And, and look, even some of the big stories, which I won't share because they're my yes. teenage <laughs> kids' stories to share when they're older and going, remember when we did that? Um, but, you know, we, of course, we never used any punishments. Whatever happened, we would then always have big conversations around, okay, what have we learned from this? You know, and how could we do it better next time? Mm. And what do you feel like you need to do to either repair or to balance this situation out? And, and they've all come up with what they've needed mm. to do 
to make amends with whatever they've done or to to really listen to themselves you know they've really tuned into that and that's been amazing because I found that they've sometimes when they've you know they're feeling a little bit out there they'll create these situations and boundaries and edges where they go oh, okay that's far enough and then they'll come back in on their own way so they do stuff just enough to shake up a bit and then they come back into center and trusting that they're doing exactly what they need to do you know it's, it's amazing so yeah and I really just want to offer you too you know raising kids with aware parenting doesn't mean that you're going to have teenagers who are never going to try crazy stuff right <laughs> because they're meant to try crazy stuff and you actually want them to so you know that was a big lesson for me I kind of thought if I raise teenagers they'll never do those risk-taking things or they'll never push those edges so hard because they're they've been raised with aware parenting <laughs> but I want to tell you that the edges that they've gone to have all been they've been pretty minor but they've all been so important in their own growth and it's been an amazing lesson for me to just still hold my center and really trust what they've done within that and they've always found their way back into the center and connection every single time so I really just want to reassure parents that you know, if if you are using web printing and, you, and your child's still trying edges, it doesn't mean you're not doing it right. You know, there's there is no right. There is so there's no, no right. right. <laughs> you know, so so just please know that. Yeah, mm. yeah. I had this idea that it was all going to be like <laughs> happy and roses, but actually, that that was not going to help me grow or them. So you know, everything is as it's meant to be <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. All right. Well. To finish up, some suggestions. You share your wonderful webinars. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, some suggestions first, uh, you know, again, just to really feel into if you do have teenagers or you're moving into that, how was that transition for you, your own puberty, your own sexuality story? And again, what was it that you really needed that you perhaps you didn't get from your own parents or your environment or surroundings at that time? And really, you know, just just I think musing on that a little bit can be a really powerful thing to do. Um, and then, yes, there's some webinars I have. I've got an intro, oh, or We're Parenting with Tweens and Teens webinar. Um, you can find that on Facebook. And also talking to kids about sex as well as another good one on my Facebook. Um, the book Brainstorm by Dan Siegel I highly recommend. I must say there's not that many books on teenagers that I love. I have to say that there's still a bit of that behavioralism kind of element out there a lot of teenage yes. books so i'll have to write one one day you, will. you are <laughs> but, going to <laughs> but um there's not heaps that i go yeah that really hits the mark yes. just for me personally but yeah. i'm open to finding others um and i'd also highly recommend just around that the bodily changes or hormones all those kind of things for that puberty element go and have a look at um my friend Kath's website, Sex Ed Rescue, really great information, so much free resources on there, really wonderful ways to have conversations around sex and sexuality with your kids. It's awesome. She holds your hand through all of it, so it's brilliant. Yeah. I would also love to suggest uh, Aletha Salty's book, Raising Drug-Free mm, Kids, because yes. there's a lot in there on the teenage sex rooms around mm. some of the things you were talking about, about yeah. helping them take risks and feel that adrenaline rush without yes. doing things that you that yes. really would prefer them not to, yes. how to provide those kind of safe spaces, mm. uh, you know, the, the kind of thing you often mm. share with me, you know, mm. call me up anytime, mm. I will come and pick you up, mm. those kinds of things. So yes. that's another lovely book. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for being here again and, and um, being on this aware parenting journey with it. We value, um, we value you being here. Mm. So much love to you. 
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.